people do need to be heard and listened to and cared for and I am absolutely an awesome person to do that you know I really am but I can't be that to everybody and sometimes you've really got to think about you've got to have enough energy for yourself and for your own household because if you're completely depleted you're no good to anybody. Hello and welcome to the Curl Squad's Curl Power podcast. I'm Zoe Fox and in today's episode I am really happy to be introducing you to Annika Spaulding. Now she is a Midlands-based award-winning writer and creative mentor. She helps women who are battling overwhelm while trying to find their voice. She uses her platform to share her own personal experiences of anxiety, trauma and self-love and she is just phenomenal at creating safe spaces for others to know that they're truly not alone and she's always stood out to me as a really authentic voice and um, on Instagram at times you know it can be quite a superficial platform but she just comes with the realness and I think you're really going to enjoy what she has to say we spoke about the creative process and writing a book we discussed refining your message establishing boundaries as an empath raising daughters and we also spoke a bit about the benefits of journaling amongst other things so let's get into the episode and hear what Annika had to say my next guest today on the Curl Squad's Curl Power podcast is the absolute legend that is Annika Spaulding. She is the Midlands-based author and writer and creative mentor as well. So Annika, thank you very much for coming onto the show. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm so very excited just to, just to be on your show. Oh, bless you. Well, what I like to do is with each of my guests is just get into a little quick fire round of this or that and just see what your hair preferences are. Ready? Ready. Right. So satin bonnet or satin pillowcase? Pillowcase. Hair up or hair down? Hair up. Edges natural or edges laid? Natural. Wash day. Is it a chore or is it a vibe? A vibe. Go on. <laughs> volume or definition? Volume. Day one hair or day three hair? Day three. Diffuse or air dry? Air dry. Do you have any certified go-to products or accessories for your hair? Um. Yes. Well, yeah. So at the moment, because I, I change my products a lot. At the moment, I'm using this range called Lotter Body. I quite like that. I use the um, the leave-in conditioner quite a lot on my hair, um, and I've, they've got like the you know the co-wash, the shampoo, the conditioner, and you know all sorts really. Because in my household, we've got different curl types, so some of the heavy products won't work on my hair, but it works beautifully for the girls' hair. I used to really love Cantu, um, but it didn't agree with my hair last year. Yeah, do you think something in that recipe changed, perhaps? Because I noticed a difference. Yeah, my hair went really weird and really light and delicate, like even more so than it is. It felt really um, fragile. So I just stopped using it and I stopped using it on the girls because, Mm. yeah, it was not working for me. Yeah, if it don't feel right, keep it moving. That's what I say. But I get a subscription hair box. I get um, one. So I try different stuff all the time, which is really good. Yeah. That's what I love about these um, product discoveries is like, yeah, you just get to try loads of things without Mm. necessarily committing to one thing. 
what about when you were growing up did you have any curl icons no (laughs) no I did not because I wasn't surrounded by anyone who even looked like me certainly wasn't surrounded by anybody with curly hair um I'm mixed race I grew up in a family that was mostly white um so there was no one to look for look to or admire or you know and mainstream media z was probably a lot different to what it is now so it's not even like looking on tv and seeing yourself represented anywhere so there was no 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 I did not it's not your fault but no (laughs) yeah 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 how did that feel not being able to see yourself represented did you notice were you consciously aware or was it something that just sort of seeped into your psyche I, I noticed when I went to school and I was called not so nice names and I noticed then that I was quite different. It's quite weird because you don't notice until someone else does when you're a child. You just think everyone, you just, you don't, it's not something you think of really. Um, and then my mum used to say, you know, people pay lots of money to get hair like yours, you know, the curly perm, <laughs> or to get a skin colour like yours and all those things there. So it was tied in with that. Um, but it wasn't until I was much older that um, I really felt like I could do something about it. And of course, being a mum of two children who whose hair is quite different from mine, I didn't want them to have the same feelings that I did and not feeling connected to it at all. Mm. Um, it felt like quite a responsible. It, 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 it felt like I had to take responsibility then, because, of course, that was my experience as a child. But do I want my daughters to have that relationship with their hair? and feel like they're not represented anywhere and feel like nobody understands them or they're not surrounded by people who look like them. Mm-hmm. I, don't know, I don't know if that answered your question, but I could just rant about this all day, really, because it wasn't given to me. It wasn't provided for me. The time wasn't there. But as, an, as a mother, I've been proactive about learning and providing that for my children. Mm, that's very much what this conversation is about, is I've met so many people through the natural hair sort of world and we always start these conversations off on hair and then there's just these stories, these backstories Mm. of people growing up and how they engage with the society that they saw around them and then how that's impacted us growing up. So whether you're black, whether you're mixed race, we've all got our own stories to tell. And the Mm. common thing that connects us is usually how we're received by society. And so you grew up in Birmingham or Midlands? Mostly Birmingham until in Birmingham until I was 10 then I moved to Yorkshire for like six seven years and then we moved back so what was that like in in Yorkshire because I know my husband's family's from York it's um it was very different my experience of it is that it felt quite segregated and where in Birmingham I feel is a very multicultural diverse city everybody mixes you will have like your areas that are predominantly one community but it just feels like a lot more togetherness here but that wasn't necessarily something that I felt growing up in Yorkshire um but I loved it there for the the outdoors and you know the the big fields and the quarries and the walks it's brilliant for that and like even the the architecture of of buildings if you're into that sort of stuff I quite loved it for that and of course I was a teenager there so I had friends uh, you know I had a little bit of a life there you know, when you're 16, you know it all, you have your life, don't you? (laughs) So it took us some time to adjust coming back here. But, you know, I'm a brummie at heart and I don't think, I think I would live, I I would live 
in other places I'm not tied to this place but this place is home yeah yeah I wonder what that's like sort of going from somewhere more diverse and I don't know what part of um, Yorkshire you're in but I know that it's probably in certain places significantly less diverse did you have to change did you go from one environment where it was more diverse into a place where it wasn't or were you still in quite a diverse part of Yorkshire? Um, I lived in Bradford Um, I don't know I see I don't know about the question only because I think me I think really it's about where I feel felt like I fit in. But sometimes me feeling like I fit in and belong and, and be part of, of the environment has been more about me than it has been about other people. Mm. If that makes sense. Um I think I think I don't know what it's like up there now. I haven't been there for a very long time. Um and I've always found it really easy to make friends. But yeah, it's it just it was just different. But I again I'm biased, I'm a brummie, so you know this. <laughs> this city's always going to be like yeah but it's better <laughs> yeah just feels right doesn't it when you go back yeah. home and it's where you come from there's just just something comfortable about it and yeah. I've got my own experience of growing up in in Brum and despite how diverse it was I still found my challenges sort of like finding my place and how to fit in there so I always find it interesting to see how other people mm. experienced it as well so in terms of hair care when you were growing up who was solely responsible for doing your hair as a kid uh, my mum but then that changed when I think I must have got to like eight and I was sick of her pulling my hair with the brush and I decided to do it myself <laughs> and she let me so heaven knows what I would have looked like <laughs> at school <laughs> but she had a go she did bless her bless her yeah it takes a little bit of um I don't know it's just a bit of a journey isn't it to get to a point where you feel comfortable enough to do your own hair or it gets to a point where your mom's done your head in enough literally that you've got to take it into your own hands because my mom yeah. my mom was yeah what I think you'd call heavy-handed with the hairbrush so I much yeah. prefer it when my dad took control <laughs> yeah exactly that so tell us a little bit about of your your journey into becoming an author and a writer and where the passion mm-hmm. stemmed from well it's very cliche in the sense that I always loved reading and always loved storying for stories from a very young age, loved English, loved writing stories, loved reading stories, loved Enid Blyton, wanted to be a writer from a very young age. Um, and then as I got older, um, I've always journaled. And that's been a really great way of letting out my thoughts and my emotions, because for a long time, I didn't use I, I didn't talk about it with anybody didn't trust people didn't feel safe enough you know there's lot there was lots of stuff going about, around so even if I'd had the words there would have been nobody that I felt I would have felt that I could trust and then there came a point where I was just really ready to um like with the first book it took me a few years to write it on and on and off but it just it, it became one of those goals where I can actually do this well let me just let me just see what happens and at the point that I published that book, I'd gone on, I'd begun my journey around self-care and, you know, really looking at myself and my life. And it just felt so empowering to finally achieve something that I really didn't know I was actually going to do. And I've just got so much to say and so much to explore with my writing that, you know, for some people, they may they may look at me and feel 
you know she's done so much she's accomplished so much she's successful or whatever but for for me I'm still just kind of finding my feet because there's so much that I create now that five years ago I didn't know that I was capable of and I'm just really intrigued really I just want to explore and I want to say more and if I can get out outside of my head for long enough <laughs> you know I want to write a few more books really and reach a few more people. So what's the thought process as an author? Well you're thinking about becoming an author you've got an idea for a book how do you set about actually putting that into into practice and to having enough discipline to get it done? Well, for me, it was less so about I want to write a book, but more so I want to tell a story. Mm. Because I think if we sit down at a laptop and say, right, I'm going to write a book today, <laughs> it's really overwhelming. Or if you think I'm going to write a book this year, it's overwhelming. But if you just say to yourself, I want to tell this story, and then it's about writing it until you feel like you've said everything that you need to say about that story. Mm. Because often what I find is, when people have asked me about writing is how many pages should it be? How many words should it be? How thick should it be? You know, there could be some really thick books out there that are absolutely rubbish, uninspiring, boring, forgetful. And then there might be other books that might be 50 pages um, long that could literally change your life. And I feel like we can get so drawn up in the word count and the page number and, and less so about the actual content. So for me, it's a case of, when I've sat down to work on a project, a lot of my thought process has been about what do I want to say? So my first book was, was it started as a short story of this woman that was just giving up on life because her marriage had turned out to be something that she never expected. It was abusive and she had no fight left in her. And it was a short story, probably less than a thousand words. And it was like that for about two years. And one day I thought, well, what, actually, what if she didn't give up? What if she got out of that bath and thought, actually, let me get dressed and let me think. He's coming back soon. Let me have a plan. What if she didn't give up? And so that book came about because I was ex- I wanted to see what would happen if she said she was going to the shop and she never came back and she got back on the train to Brum. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And so really when you're writing anything, it's like, what is your message? Mm-hmm. Which feels like such a cliche thing to say. But if I if you were to write a book, sorry. You were to write a book and I was to read that as somebody that didn't know you, but you wrote that book for someone like me. If I was to put that book down, what would be that one, that one thing that I know because I read your book? And it's thinking like that. And it's about, okay, so if the one thing that you wanted me to know as your reader is never give up, then it's about planning your content around that. How can how can I say never give up, give up? in all these different ways mm. so it's like an experiment really isn't it <laughs> it's like an experiment really and just just saying what you need to say and just you, you stop and you finish when you've done that yeah because I can imagine you'd have to sort of figure out how to make it concise because when I write I just get I just get into it and I'm like how much of this is just me expressing how much of this is a necessary part of the message so what's your process for refining that well what we have to do in the first instance is write a really awful draft first draft so the way that I look at it is you get the idea out get the idea out onto paper don't even care about the format if it's spelt right if if you've repeated yourself just get it all out so you know what it looks like 
when you know what it looks like, then you've, you're in a position then to edit it and to do something with it. So that means then you can go back and you can edit it and reorder it. Sometimes, and there are writers that do this, people will edit as they go, but I feel like that slows us down. I feel like how can we know what we're working with until we've seen it all in full? Because you might say to yourself, oh, I'm going to write this book and it's going to be a self-help guide. But actually, when you've re- when you've written it all down, and you've read it back it feels more like a memoir or it feels more like a collection of poetry or it feels more like a novel or do you know what I mean you don't know what you work I mean so for me the way that I've written my books particularly with my last one is I got it all out I got like the main points out first and then I went back and I like it's like you, you create the skeleton for your book and then you flesh it out with more words so the magic really is in the editing because then you can go back and it makes sense as well once you've written the skeleton of it like just to take like regular breaks from it and then co- come back and then edit it so it's like fresh pair of eyes mm. so it's, it's a pro- it is a process and it's not a quick process but it should take time because you're crafting something that's important like you've put your time into this and you want people to read it and really get it so just just like have like verbal diarrhea on the page first get it get it all out and then you you're in a really great position then to like curate it in the way that you want it to be read so as with anything creative it's quite difficult to know or it's quite difficult to say right okay the baby is ready now to release into the world how do you know when you've got it to that point where you're like okay let's go well, for me, when I wrote, for example, my um, with my other books, I was really just wanting to keep the momentum of being a writer, really. With my last two, it was really about, OK, I've said everything that I needed to say. Do I need to add anything in here? And I've re- I'd read it so many times. And I, I couldn't think of anything more that I could add. So then for me, that was OK, then it must be ready. That was it. And even then, it's just making peace with what this book is so my last book was a memoir it's by no means a biography you know I'm I'm 34 I haven't lived my whole life yet there's probably loads more I could have added to it and there's there's loads more left of life to live for me to create another book but the purpose of that book really was just to talk about the healing journey so when I read through it so many times I asked myself am I being true to what I want this to be is it healing journey does it read as that have I talked about Have have I gone off on a tangent does it make sense and when I could answer those questions, yes, then I felt like, okay, so then we're done, then we're ready. That's pretty much it. So when you're writing and you're telling your story and you start thinking about sharing some intimate and personal details about what you've been through, mm-hmm. something that I come up with is like, am I oversharing? Where do I draw the line? And what's the benefit? in being so authentic and transparent how do you manage all of that well I only I write about stuff that I don't mind being asked about in an interview like this because on occasion I have been a guest on a podcast or on radio and I do lives so if I'm if I've put it out because I don't mind talking about it and it's not of det- detriment to me either because there is a balance because I I do I am worried sometimes when people do share because it's like why are you sharing so for me personally and and also it can be quite triggering when you share as well it can be quite a lot so 
it's really important that you have a good support network around you because you might have shared something and you might feel okay but as a result of you doing that somebody sent you a message and that set you off now and I've had a lot of counselling over the last few years I've been on and off antidepressants I have some really great coping mechanisms now to help me manage my anxiety to the point where I've not I've not needed the antidepressants to feel like I can cope with my day um, and also it's about me being really clear in what my boundaries are so how can I take care of myself because I can control what I share but not necessarily what somebody else feels that they can share so it's a case of do I have any rules around how I use social media so am I saying to people dm me anytime if you need support mm. you know, and it's just been really clear in that I only share what I'm willing to talk about and I only share what I've, I've talked about in counselling and also that if my children were older and stumbled across stuff on the internet that I wouldn't mind them finding out in that way mm. um, but also when when we share our personal experiences oftentimes there are other people who are part of those experiences somebody did something to you or you something happened to you because of a choice somebody else made mm. and so a question to myself is whose story am I telling here is this my story or am I trying to am I using somebody else's experience to validate my point and so it's been really honest about that because on any of any of my platform on any of the platforms that I use or even in the memoir it could have been really easy for me to say and this person did this and they slept with mm. this person and did this but actually that's not my story is it that's their behavior mm. and so it's it's it's, it's it's really worth thinking about and also you don't have to share like all the dark corners of your life to connect with people mm. it's just a choice that I've made and as a result of that it's what people it's what people tend to know me for anyway but I'm comfortable with that so if you do it it should be because that's something that you want to do you feel like you've got support around you if it feels like it gets a bit much there's purpose in it um but also like you're taking a real good care of yourself while you're doing it because people will reach out people will connect with you and mm. it's about knowing what you're going to do when people do that yeah because I suppose if you're putting yourself out there as having been through certain certain things and people see you as a relatable character then you are predisposing yourself to being put in a situation where people are going to bring their stuff to you and I heard something the other day where somebody said in terms of like sharing um, personal things and, and difficult stories is like, are you, have you grown through it, through it, or are you still going through it? And I thought, you know what, that's, that's a really good way of looking through it, looking at it. Um, because if you're still going through it, there's a chance that you need to sort of take that time to process for yourself. So you're not, you know, you're not trauma dumping on everyone as, as a form of therapy. Mm. How important do you think it is to have been through some sort of therapy or perhaps consider going through therapy if, if you're thinking about wanting to share about yourself is it necessary I mean it can't hurt I love therapy but I'm you know I've been many times I'm like yes oh there's a whole person here who's just paid just to listen to me for an hour and not judge mm. me um I think it's I think it's worth exploring because actually you're going to share some really vulnerable stuff to an audience who are going to respond in all manner of ways. I feel like we owe it to ourselves if we want to be vulnerable in that way to speak to somebody 
who can handle it in a way that feels safe and it feels understood and this person's given us empathy and they've not judged us because this is this is my thing with disclosing um stuff that's personal and that's happened to you or whatever your experience has been is that if you do it for the first time and you have a really horrible reaction it's going to stop you from doing that and it's going to bring make you feel ashamed you have no you know you don't need to be, be ashamed but it's going to make you feel like that and it's when, where you started to bloom and blossom you're going to be drawn in and and that shouldn't be your first experience it's it's not right mm -hmm. and this is why you know for me I mean personally sometimes I'm that that first person for somebody and so it's really important to me to always give that positive supportive empathetic empathetic response yeah because I know I'm in control of me and I know, know what it feels like when I've when you've opened up to somebody and they've made you feel awful afterwards but if you're if you're it's the first time you open up it to the public you can't control you don't you can't control the kind of response you're going to get or or not that you should but you don't know how you're going to feel you don't you don't know how I don't know I feel like if you're going to I feel like if you're going to share anything that's potentially triggering I feel like you should have a good support network in place mm. and I don't think it's a bad thing if part of that support network is a therapist even if you've only even if you only go to a couple of sessions and you may not even talk about the stuff that you want to talk about online but perhaps sitting in those sessions has given you some really good coping mechanisms to try. As an empathetic person, how do you establish your own personal boundaries? Because I know as a fellow empathetic person, it's, it's quite hard at times to be able to just draw a line in order to protect your own, your own self and your own energy. So how do you manage that? Um, well, it used to be really hard when my boundaries were really bad. But now what I've got to remember is it's not my job to fix everybody. People are mm. broken. People are hurt. People do need to be heard and listened to and cared for. And I am absolutely an awesome person to do that. You know, I really am. But I can't be that to everybody. Um, and sometimes we've really got to think about, you know, you've got to have, have enough energy for yourself and for your own household. Because if you're completely depleted, you're no good to anybody. And so for me, I have to take some responsibility because I'm here with my daughters and I want to make sure that I give the best version of me to them. That means nobody else gets to drain me. Do you see what I mean? And it's so when people do approach me and people, you know, and people do share stuff, it's about not trying to counsel them in that moment, you know, because that's so easy to do. I used to be a family support worker and I've worked on helplines and I've worked in refuge and it would be a very natural way for me to to start asking those questions and that little part in me that says okay you know the answers Annika you've got to fix them but no sometimes it's a case of <laughs> signposting really and just saying have you thought about this this might be a really good place to look or have you thought about speaking to your doctor and not trying to take the role of a paid professional as well because you know even though I have these skills and this experience I'm not a counsellor and I'm not a, a, a therapist I'm not a support worker right now you know so it's about recognizing actually who's the best person for the role and sometimes some people just need to vent some people actually don't need help they just want to vent they want to offload and that's okay if you if you feel like you're in a space where you can manage that um 
but some people really do need more support and it's about you recognizing within yourself like I sometimes for me it's like okay who's supporting you right now finding out can you speak to that person mm. it's it's hard because people take it can take it quite personally but I just feel like people will take and they don't mean to they're just going for a lot and they've just found somebody who finally understands them so of course it's like Ugh, all this stuff comes out but you're a person as well and so we have to really be responsible for saying well actually no I'm gonna stop you there just you know so and, and manage the boundaries that way otherwise people will just keep doing it yeah people will take as much as you're prepared to mm. give won't they yeah. and it is mm. really important to establish healthy boundaries and that's something that I've had to learn the hard way as well so I'm always interested to see how people manage that I know that you are also a creative mentor mm-hmm. so tell me a little bit about how that came about okay so the creative mentoring so at first I decided to be a writing coach because I thought I've written all these books people always ask me about writing boom let me do this right um I enjoyed a lot really um there were some aspects of it that I didn't enjoy which is why I don't do it anymore and also I wanted writing to be for myself but because I've had so much experience over the years in terms of like attending and running events and workshops and blogging and writing books and public speaking and making a podcast and learning how to use Canva and building a little little um platform on social media you know that's how that's how we've we've met you know and attending events I feel like I've got like all this different experience that's just sitting here and there are so many people out there that want to do some of this that actually why can't I give them a little bit of that and with it what I normally find like somebody people somebody might say to me oh I'd like to start a blog I want to write about this but also that person might also be having a little bit of confidence issues as well so you know what let's let's just work through it all because it all goes hand in hand I know that and so that's why I have the creative mentoring because it's not necessarily about writing really there's um someone who comes to me every now and then she wants to look at her how she's making time for self-care in her busy routine and that works for her somebody else comes to me for planning (laughs) time management and planning stuff so it it really is is, it, it really does vary but it's more so because I just have so much to give on a wide range of stuff that I didn't want to say to myself oh I'm only going to help people with writing you can't fit me in a box because there's just so much there and it's I feel like really there's what I bring is a creative approach and it enables me to be in a position where I can kind of give people homework and guide them but also having a bit of like a professional boundary so like we're doing this we're having this exchange because you've paid me and I've agreed to work with you and you've picked me because you feel like we would be a good fit and let's work through this together and let's make progress um and I quite like it I've made it really cheap and affordable (laughs) but that's only because I just feel like I know what it's like not to have a lot of money but want to do well and you know it's about making things accessible but a lot of the people that I work with are women and a lot of them are mums so it's, it's actually super awesome because we might have a session about eight or nine o'clock and we're both in our dressing gowns and the kids keep popping in you know so I kind of like it for that that it's a case of you know you're coming into a space where you're going to get heard and validated but we're going to have a plan we're going to move forward and I'm saying to you you've got amazing ideas yes it might feel hard but actually let's look at your time 
management. Let's look at your routine. Let's see how we can make it work. And just having that reassurance. And I feel like I would have, I would have loved someone like that a few years ago myself. Mm. I would have, that would have been awesome. I was going to say, what do you think are some of the most common reasons that are preventing people from fulfilling their potential in your experience? Well, first of all, I feel like they have the idea, but they, they're, not, they're not convinced it can happen. There's, like, there's a little bit of dummies that thinks maybe, but they don't know the how. Um, they think, I think people think that you have to have like your whole life together to make this happen. Like you've paid off your debts, you've got to the bottom of the laundry basket, you're doing the dream job, but you don't work too often, but you make enough money, you feel good in yourself and now you can write your book doesn't work like that you know but I think when people they, they they see people on social media and it all looks really fabulous and it's just highlight reel you know we know that and I think people talk themselves out of it but also I feel like sometimes we as creatives aren't really good at showing the process either and and aren't so good at showing the reality of it you know that aren't so good at showing that you know even though I'm delivering a workshop right now I've just had a really stressful morning with my kids or you know maybe those who show up who are super happy every day aren't showing the down days so people who haven't started their journey yet feel like okay this seems really unattainable she's always happy in her story she's always happy all the time I'm not like that I can't be like that so I feel like a lot of it is about misconceptions and messaging really you know if and this is why it's so important I feel to be real and just to say you know what this is how it can this is how it can happen it's going to be a bit challenging but actually this is how it can happen um it will take time a lot of the people that we see out there making their moves have been doing this for a while and I think people forget that as well you know even there's that saying isn't there people who you work 10 years to get your overnight success and that's a that's a that's a reality out here 10 years <laughs> and the rest you know so yeah. it's 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 a lot of that because I think a lot of success is glamorized isn't it this is how it looks but actually it's a hard slug yeah it's what people don't see behind the scenes isn't mm. it it's the stuff that's happening offline the blood and the sweat and that well hopefully not literally the blood and, and, and the sweat but you know <laughs> a little bit less of that <laughs> yeah a bit less of that but all of the stuff that that mm. goes into it all behind the scenes that nobody sees and that's what I've always really respected about you is just that you are just authentic and transparent and I, I just really respect that and I think that anybody who is fortunate fortunate enough to work with you is, is just really lucky to be taking on all of that experience that you've that you've learned and that you've gained Thank over you. the years so have you got any sort of daily habits or rituals that you do to keep you on track and to keep you successful yeah and sane? so well saying's good because sanity right now <laughs> it's like this but um, I journal a lot sometimes I journal two times a day three times a day because I'm an overthinker and because I have anxiety and I know that if I allow myself to be overthinking I will think myself into a state then that will lead to depression you know so for me I, I know my process so I know a good coping mechanism for me is to, to journal get all the thoughts out so I do that in the morning usually because I'm, I'm I've got like a head full of stuff then it's really good to do before you go to bed actually um mm. so you're not laid there thinking so I do that um I've, I do a really short meditation that's for like five minutes it's a guided one and I've been doing that for a little while um 
but which I'm, I'm saying this happening I'm remembering I've been experimenting more recently with unguided ones just some random ones on on YouTube that are like 10 and 15 minutes long and it's felt okay to do it so I feel like if you're not used to sitting still for so long quietly it's it's good to work up to it um that's what I do mostly I'd like to say that I read every day but I really don't my brain's not settled enough right now to be able to do that but journaling and the meditation is doing something for me and getting a good amount of sleep which is hilarious saying that as a mother because my children are with me at, at every waking moment yeah a mother but, in a pandemic <laughs> like homeschooling and lockdown yeah. life but I've, I've experimented this last week and I used to be able to stay up really, really late um, and kind of survive on like five hours sleep. It's not working for me now. And this week I've been off work. So, I, you know, I can have a bit of a lying. But even though I've stayed up late, I've still not, I've still woken up early. So the new solution, the new plan is we go to bed before midnight, right? That is guaranteed to wake up feeling somewhat human. And if I'm lucky, wake up half an hour before the kids get up, which means uninterrupted journal time, uninterrupted med- meditation and a cup of tea while in bed. Really? I love it. I love it. That is something that I'm trying to work on, but I haven't found the discipline yet to get up before Shola because she's a bit of an early bird. But I'm like, just to have that half an hour before mm. everything gets going, because over the last year, like journaling has been my saving grace I think it's really really helped me and propelled my own journey and something that I've done on and off Mm. over the years but this year well over the course of the last year I took it so seriously that and meditation has just yeah it's really helped and I think you know you said Mm. about trying to do a longer meditation and a lot of people get put off don't they and they're like oh sitting here like this you know it's not right but there's so many different ways that people can meditate and it's just finding something that works for you even if it's just Mm. sitting there for a moment and just observing your breath you know you haven't Mm. got to sit there and 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 stop your thoughts entirely but a a good way to sort of pair journaling and and meditation is get all your thoughts out write them all down do a bit of journaling Mm. then sit down and then do a bit of meditation and it makes all the difference you know you hear Mm. all these high achievers and successful people saying it but you know for me it's yeah it's had a it's had a hell of a lot of benefit and it's something that I definitely recommend that people just find their own way with it as well you know you haven't got to do what other people are doing just just do what feels good it's about having that connection with yourself and I feel like that's so important especially with how the last year has been and especially you know mothers in a pandemic even more so because it's like you know sometimes the only space you get is when you go to the loot if you're lucky and you oh. won't be able to do the food. <laughs> she's still in there when I'm on the loo and the, the toilet okay. cubicle's like that and she's... <laughs> <laughs> or you might be able to do the food shop alone if you're lucky and you're blessed. And so it's like, actually, how can I... How can I find some peace in my day? Because, granted, it's not going to be like it was. Let's not put it off until after it's all over. We don't know when that's going to be. So actually, how can I find a moment of serenity in the day? And it's never going to feel like enough because it's not, but it's better than nothing, isn't it? Mm. Those 15 minutes that you might give yourself in the morning is better better than no minutes at all, in my opinion. We're in this social media age now, and we're talking about trying to find time in the day just to centre ourselves. As a mother, as you've said, of, of two daughters, 
How do you feel about the time that they're growing up in and how do you help to manage their self-esteem with all of this social media and glamorization of of everything? Well, my children aren't allowed on social media right now. They are eight and eleven. They have um they they're allowed to look on TikTok, but they're not allowed to post on there. And we have an agreement where you see something that looks inappropriate or you're not sure, you speak to mummy about that. Mm-hmm. My girls are quite good like that. Um, I want to keep them off social media for as long as possible. Um, if, as much as I love social media, I'm an adult woman. I didn't grow up with it. It's something that we, we I've joined as an adult. So I'm not quite sure how it will impact them. And so for me, I want to have as long as possible to establish a really good level of self-esteem in them both where they feel good they feel validated they know themselves so that when the time comes when they do go on social media because of course they will at some point they've got that already I feel like oh, I just want to fill them up with as much feel good but it's working because I will say to them you're amazing they're like yeah yeah love that so that that will be their standard I feel like as parents We only have so much control, right? We only have so much control. So, you know, it really is up to us to kind of set the bar, really, and and really monitor what they're using and know the passwords and and just monitor that and, and teach them as best as we can about safe internet use. And think about the stuff that we say about ourselves and our bodies and how we look and how we feel, because that's where they're learning it from. So that yeah, as well. So we're reinforcing stuff, really. So it's 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 a hard job. We can only control so much. So my hope is is that I instill my girls with enough so that when they do go on social media, that they might feel a little bit challenged, but they've got the foundation there. Where mommy said this, their life is like this. So actually, this can't speak to that. This doesn't this doesn't speak their truth. That's the plan. But ask me in a few years. <laughs> See how it goes. It's a constantly yeah. evolving thing, isn't it? You just gotta mm. do your best that you can in every day. Yeah. I know you said earlier you don't have much time for reading or you're not doing much reading at the moment, but what are some of your favourite books or books that have impacted you? I love Dorothy Coombson. Love her. Um, I love the way that she writes and her writing has progressed over the years because it used to be more like chiclet, whereas now it's a little bit more like psychological thrillers thought of with a message behind it um but one of her early books was um it wasn't good night beautiful it was my best friend's girl and it made me cry and at the time that I read it it's been a few years since my mama had died and I was just so numb and I couldn't cry but she she opened something up and that's why I'll always love her because it's a story it's fiction but I related so much that she was able to with her words, I was able to have that release. And for me, that felt so important. I've loved her work ever since. I've met her and told her, I'm like, I love you. <laughs> because it, it, it just had that impact upon me. Um, I really love Light is the New Black by Rebecca Campbell, which is a bit like spirituality. If you're getting into it, it's really good with that. It's got some really good exercises in it. And I love the way that she writes. I'm literally looking at my bookcase now. There's Home Going. Have you read that? No. Homegoing by Yagayasi. Yagayasi. Amazing. Amazing. It talks about, it, it, it talks about like a, how to even talk about it? 
it's looking at like a timeline of a family torn apart by slavery but each chapter is a person's story it's just magical so well written beautiful read it and then we'll talk yeah um there's so there's so many books actually I've got so many but those ones definitely that I mentioned I'm a bit of a writing snub to be honest um and that's you know I haven't always been this way but I think my degree ruined a lot of stuff it ruined yeah. my writing well what's your degree in creative and professional writing there's also um purpose by jessica huey which i read i wish i found i wish i'd read that at the beginning of my journey it's very inspiring mm-hmm. um yeah i'm literally looking at them all i've got so many. i've got three bookcases in my house and they're all full they're all full of books I think it's just really good just to be really interested in reading and just seeing what other people are reading. I like to know, I like to get personal recommendations. What, what... Basically, the whole reason I'm doing this podcast is just to see what everyone's <laughs> reading. <laughs> Not a bad plan. <laughs> yeah, but like you, it's, you know, books tell stories and they impact people in different ways at different times. And I think it's nice just to get people's uh, book recommendations and it mm. might spark something inside someone else that might... Yeah help them in some way or transform them in some way yeah so speaking of books and book recommendations what have you got coming up but my books Mm -hmm. oh well I've just written well I haven't just written one I wrote um my I wrote my memoir and I published it last year it's called she who writes I'm very very proud of that piece of work it's the one book that I can say that I've done that I'm like yes happy with that um and I'm kind of just getting into a space where I've got a new idea for a book. I kind of want to return to fiction. Um, it's just having the headspace to do stuff, really, and and trying to do stuff that feels true to me and not necessarily in response to what my peers are doing or this is big now, so let's just do it. No, I kind of want it to be um, heartfelt. So I've got an idea for a story. I'm not going to talk about that just yet, but um, I'm going to write it first. And yeah. I just want to have fun with my writing at the moment. I just want to enjoy stuff because it feels it's felt quite hard to enjoy things um, for a while, which is why it's took me so long just to post on social media again and Mm -hmm. really show up there at the moment. But yeah, I want to explore explore stories and I feel like I want to do something around journaling, but I mean, we'll see what happens. I love it. Lots of possibility. Mm. Where can people find you? Not like literally. Uh, yeah. <laughs> where, where do you live? <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm, I'm all over the internet, quite literally. Um, I'm on Facebook at Annika Spalding. I'm on Twitter at Annika Spalding, although I very rarely use it. I just use that just to look at what everyone else is saying. <laughs> uh, I'm on Instagram at Annika underscore Spalding. That is my favourite social media platform. I'm there more than I'm anywhere else, really. I do have a website, which is just my name.co.uk. Um, but I would say Instagram's probably the best place, really and truly. But yeah, I'm on a, I'm on a lot of stuff. And just to end the chat, what is your one bit of advice or your parting bit of wisdom, like whatever comes to your soul? What would you like to say to the people then? Oh, trust yourself. You know the answers. 
when you step away from social media, your friends, your partner, your family, what feels true to you, that's what you should listen to. Love it. So I hope you enjoyed that episode. I know I did. Um, There's definitely lots that I can take away and implement. I think it's always good when we've invested our time and then we've got something to take away. So ah, I might be thinking about doing that book. So thinking about boundaries and our discussion on boundaries, have you managed to establish healthy boundaries or have you still got work to do? What can you do today to implement better boundaries for your own well-being? And if you are on Instagram, please come along and find us at The Curl Squad or you can come and find me at my personal account and that is at zoe.e.fox. And if you're an Apple user and you did enjoy the podcast, I would absolutely love it if you would slide on over and leave us a five-star review if you believe it is five-star content. Um, And if you think it's anything less than that, I want to do better for you. So let me know how I can improve. Wicked. And it takes a community to build a great community. So I know all you people out there that are listening to this are good people. Do you know what I mean? So um, share it with your good people. Spread the good word of the Curl Power podcast. I'd really appreciate it. And um, on that note, I shall bid you farewell, wish you a good week ahead, and I will catch you same time next Tuesday. See you later, girlfriend. friend.